This is Eighth Day Encouragement, a recap of the Sunday service, offering hope and faith from the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. You can find us online at holytrinity-nyc.org. Imelda Marcos, the former First Lady of the Philippines, famous for her shoe collection and other eccentricities, insightfully explained a bit of herself once by saying, in the dark of the night, the poor always look for a star. Glittering like a star, Imelda and her husband stole billions from the Philippine people and bankrupted the country. But even with convictions here and there over the years, she was still being elected to public office in 2016, wildly popular among many people. In 2018, she was convicted of funneling $200 million to Swiss accounts, but at the age of 89, she will probably never serve a day in prison. If we shake our heads at such stories or the audacity of politicians in our day, either in our own country or another, we should remember, rephrasing the quotation about Ginger Rogers, it's all been done before and even in heels. It's not just the poor who look for a star in the dark. Over time, it seems a majority of people seem to cry out for a king or a queen. One of the earliest places in our faith tradition that we hear of a tension between following God versus demanding a human leader to follow comes from the first book of the prophet Samuel. Samuel was a go-between, standing between God and the rulers of Israel, helping appoint judges for Israel. But then the elders of Israel come to Samuel, demanding a king. It gets personal when they complain about Samuel's sons, who are judges. But in 1 Samuel 8, with words that echo through the centuries, those elders of Israel demand, appoint for us a king to govern us like the other nations. Samuel feels rejected and prays to God about this, but God explains to Samuel that it's not so much Samuel the elders are rejecting, it's God. God says, let them have their king, but warn them first, because that king you say you want so much will use your resources to create war, will take your prophets for his friends. The king will waste the efforts of your sons and daughters and even your servants. It'll get so bad that you'll eventually complain to God, and then don't be surprised if God ignores you. But the people, of course, refuse to listen to the voice of Samuel. They say again, no, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we may all be like the other nations, that our king would govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. This eventually wears down Saul and it leads to the, uh, wears down Samuel. It leads to the anointing of Saul to be the first king over Israel. Ever since, people have continued asking for, praying for, demanding a king or queen, someone to be out front, in charge, ready to make decisions, unafraid. And in former times, as well as present times, the details don't really seem to matter much. That is to say, the policies, the morality, the character, whether we're talking about King Saul or King David, Margaret Thatcher or Aung San Suu Kyi, the Marcoses or the Trumps, a lot of people just want their star. Jesus knew this and wrestled with this throughout his ministry. 
people kept wanting Jesus to be the king of their expectations. And over and over again, Jesus distanced himself from that sort of kingship. The disciples get confused about what the kingdom of God will be, and they argue about positions in the new administration. In Matthew 20, even the mother of the disciples, James and John, gets into the act. She approaches Jesus, gets on her knees, and begs Jesus, promise me that when you're king, my boys will be on your right and your left. But throughout, Jesus points to a consistent theme, not so much of the development of a kingdom, but more of a kingdom of God, a commonwealth where real leaders show their strength by serving. In today's gospel from Matthew 25, Jesus says, I'll tell you what true kingship is, what real royalty looks like. Look for the king of love in the stranger who is welcomed, in the naked who is clothed, in the hungry who is fed, in the imprisoned who are met, in the lonely who are visited, in the sick who are offered the healing of friendship and prayer. Regardless of how our current political tensions will eventually be resolved, this side of heaven, there are always going to be a lot of people who need a star and who demand their king or queen. At the same time, with the movement and life of the Holy Spirit, there will also always be ordinary people of faith, I dare say like us, who stumble along loving, serving, visiting, sinning, being forgiven, feeding, helping, and healing beginning to experience the kingdom of God right here by practicing such kingdom living now. Eventually, when our time in this life draws to an end, we will hear that voice clearly saying to each one of us, come, you that are blessed, enter into the kingdom of love that has been prepared before all time. May we grow stronger in the love and service of Christ. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The Holy Trinity Choir sings Benjamin Britten's beautiful setting of the canticle Jubilate Deo, Be Joyful in the Lord.
You've been listening to Eighth Day Encouragement. The eighth day is a Monday after the seven days of the week, but the eighth day also stands as a new creation outside the pattern of the usual seven. And so the eighth day symbolizes resurrection, hope, and the possibilities for new life. I'm John Bedingfield, the priest and rector at the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. I hope you'll come and visit us in person one day, but you can also worship with us through Facebook Live, follow us on YouTube, and learn more at holytrinity-nyc.org. God bless you this week and always.